Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's nearly over. Thank you, Conference. Thank you. Let's get to it. This year's party conference season is winding down, although the conference cold, it seems, is just getting started. We've had the Trade Unions Congress, the Lib Dems, the Tories, Plaid Cymru, the Green Party, Reform UK and Labour. But for all the events, the debates and the parties, there were two moments that could really define the future. The moment that the Labour leader, Sir Keir Starmer, delivered his pitch to be Prime Minister. Why Labour? Because we will grow every corner of our country. Why Labour? Because we have a plan to take back our streets, switch on great British energy, get the NHS back on its feet, tear down the barriers to opportunity and get Britain building again. And the moment the actual Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, delivered his pitch to stay in the job. I've been Prime Minister for almost a year now. We have done good things in that time. We've made progress on our five priorities. To halve inflation, grow the economy, reduce debt, cut waiting lists and to stop the boats. A less likely candidate for number 10, but Ed Davey drew cheers from the Lib Dem faithful. I'm afraid I have to start this afternoon with an apology. I said it's time to get these clowns out of number 10. Let me take this opportunity to apologize to the whole clowning community. <laughs> I'm sorry, I used the wrong C word. So let me, let me try again. It's time to get these conservatives out of number 10. At this point in the conference season, it feels like we've heard from pretty much everyone in Westminster. And this year, that even included the Prime Minister's wife. Conference, thank you for letting me gate crash to tell you, to tell you a little bit more about the Rishi that I know and the Rishi that I hope most people will come to understand. So did the parties achieve what they wanted and needed from their conferences? Who came out on top? And did they shift the dial when it comes to the results of the next general election? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana with a very croaky throat. Today, Party Conferences 2023... Did they change the next election? I'm Kate McCann. I am political editor at Times Radio. 
I'm Laura Spirit and I'm Redbox editor at The Times. And you're both joining us from just the, the dying few moments, really, of the Labour Party conference. We can hear it all in the background. It's almost the end of conference season. Um, weirdly, I'm the one who seems to get, have got conference cold. But um, <laughs> you, you've just been in Keir Starmer's speech. Uh, Kate, what did you make of it? I think the question for Sir Keir Starmer at this conference was why Labour? It's not just about why not the Tories, it has to be about what his party can offer to the country. And actually, even more than that, what Sir Keir Starmer as a man offers to the country. And I think that speech started to answer those questions today. It's what we were talking about Rishi Sunak reaching Mm. for at the Tory party conference last week. I don't think Sunak quite grasped it, but I think actually for many people here in the hall, the Labour leader did. He talked a lot about his background. You know, he said things like, we're a government to serve you. You do belong. At some point in your life, many people here will have heard a nagging voice inside saying, no, this isn't for you. You don't belong here. Working class people certainly hear that voice. Imagine if instead a whole country said, you do belong. Imagine if a whole country said, we back your potential. Imagine if a whole country commits properly unlocking the pride you have in your community then look what we could build and to a certain group of people in this country a big chunk actually probably of the middle classes aspirational middle classes that message really does appeal to them it was very blairite it was very robust in places not a huge amount of policy it has to be said but i don't think we were ever really expecting that I think today was about Sir Keir Starmer defining what Labour is now for a new generation. How would you define that? What, what are Labour in this iteration? And you know, what's, their, what's their plan, do you think, for, for the election? How will they be selling themselves? I mean, he talked a lot about the idea of aspiration, about university, about class, actually, and about his own background. And he really is probably one of the only leaders who can credibly stand on a stage and say what he said at the end of that speech was, I felt the anxiety of a cost of living crisis before. I will fight for you. Government can be a force for good. We can fight alongside working people in the name of justice and opportunity. That's why I came into politics. Now, that's not to say that it's a done deal. But one of the things that Keir Starmer had to do here today was to make his party believe that it is possible that they can win the next general election. And so he started knitting together some of the problems, yes, but what the solutions to those problems might look like. And housing was a central tenant there. And and there was stuff in there too about the NHS, about waiting lists and, and the things that you might expect from a Labour leader. But I think, you know, clearing the backlog, making the NHS work seven days and housing will be absolutely crucial in the next election. And Lara, that was a very dramatic speech, not least because it began with a protester covering Sir Keir Starmer with, with glitter and he had to take his jacket off and roll up his sleeves. We demand a people's house! We demand a people's house! We are in crisis! Was it just the Keir Starmer show? I mean, how did the rest of conference go? Did this feel like a government in waiting? Largely, it's considered to have been a success. There have been no public disagreements between people on his front bench. 
as Kate says, business seems to be particularly pleased and all of those things have come together to allow Keir Starmer to leave Liverpool feeling rather happy with how this week has gone. And for you, who were the real stars of this conference? You know, there's been a lot of praise, certainly in the press, for, for Rachel Reeves. I think that's probably the individual who you would most single out. Rachel Reeves, obviously the shadow chancellor, uh, credited with bringing Labour back into this, having this reputation of fiscal responsibility. This was certainly a speech that was full of energy, actually, as well as being uh, full of that kind of central pledge to overhaul Britain's antiquated planning system. Uh, And there were plenty of uh, attack lines in there on the Conservatives that landed well, too. But actually, uh, you know, speaking to aides here, none of them, like in Conservative conference as well, none of them were asked to reinvent the wheel. Labour are, you know, 21 points ahead in the polls. They're not here to, uh, to necessarily win hearts and minds. They're here to make sure they definitely don't lose them. Kate, you said that there wasn't that much in terms of policy in Keir Starmer's speech. You know, he did talk about housing quite a lot. Um, that has been one of the, the problems, hasn't it, that people have, have pointed to, that there is this sense that they're being so cautious about keeping their lead in the polls. You know, people keep using the analogy about carrying a Ming vase across a, a slippery floor, that perhaps they're not really projecting enough of a plan for the future, that they're not telling people who they are and what they stand for and what they do in government. Did you feel like that had changed at this conference? There's two ways of projecting what you are about as a party and what you stand for. One of them is about making the argument, the sort of intellectual argument, if you like, the explaining who I am, where I come from and where I want to take you. And the other one is about announcing policy. I think this speech today was much more about the former. Actually, the new towns idea is quite a big policy. So where there are good jobs where there is good infrastructure, where there's good land for affordable homes, we'll get shovels in the ground, cranes in the sky, and build the next generation of Labour new towns. And it's something we're going to unpick in the days and weeks to come. But in terms of settling people's minds about what kind of person Starmer is, what kind of party he wants to lead, I think today was actually a real moment. And it's not just about, you know, the pebble dash semi that he grew up in, which got a laugh in the hall. And, you know, my dad's a toolmaker. The fact that people are laughing about those things now shows you that the Labour Party has really embedded those in people's psyche. This is much more about, I suppose, reigniting some of that flavour of Blair, some of that 97, although interestingly... He actually said he's got a harder task on his hands than Tony Blair did. Um, Starmer said, our job in 97 was to be rebuild a crumbling public realm. But in 1964, it was to modernise an economy left behind by the pace of technology. But in 1945, to build a new Britain out of the trauma of collective sacrifice. Then in 2024, it will have to be all three. All three. So pitching himself as the man, not just who's gone after Blair, but actually, you know, has, is going to have a bigger job on his hands than Tony Blair ever did. Mm, the heir to more than Blair. The heir to more than Blair. Um, <laughs> Lara, you've got through a very busy conference season. How did it feel at the Labour Party conference compared to the Tories last week? You know, they always say you can tell which way power is shifting just in, from walking around the conference halls. How has it felt in both of them? Last year was so extraordinary that when I, uh, in a moment of exhaustion, confided in a colleague that I was finding it ever so slightly duller than last year, they sort of reminded me that actually last year was really unusual. It was obviously the moment when Liz Truss's premiership was was really in full flow. It was combusting at Tory party conference. There was a U-turn on that 45p tax cut that reverberated through uh, the Labour conference too. So I'm perhaps not the best source on this, but this year has certainly felt uh, calmer. I would say it's felt calmer in a kind of 
happy way here in Labour, whereas I would say it was slightly more pensive uh, at the Conservative Party conference. But there are always differences in conference, and I'm wary of drawing too much of a conclusion. Kate, we've had a few days since the Tory party conference finished. What did the post-conference poll say about the party and about Rishi Sunak? Did the conference make a difference? No, it didn't. And it's not surprising. Actually, when you really look at polling, most people don't know that, that party conferences are happening. And if they do, they don't know what they're about. So they often don't change people's minds. But it's partly why Sir Keir Starmer's speech was important for Labour activists, for the base. Because part of the reason for conference is to G up your supporters so that they're going to go out and work hard for you over the next year ahead of the next general election. That's really important. So Rishi Zunak didn't do well out of his conference. And I think you could, you could tell that already. He knew that because usually when Labour has a party conference, the Tories will stay quiet. They have chosen not to do that this time. The Prime Minister has held an event where he did a Q&A with members of the public. And we've seen repeated statements from the Prime Minister and others over the last couple of days. They recognise mm. that they don't want to give Labour a free hit. They don't want Labour to get lots of airtime because they are, they are a bit concerned, I think, about what Sir Keir Starmer is doing here. And Lara, it sounds like Rishi Sunak is quite nervous about how the Labour Party conference is going. Um, he did perform better than people had expected in his own speech to conference. Um, was there a feeling at, at the Tory party conference about whether there was a way forward, whether, you know, uh, we're constantly told that their great strategist, Isaac Levido, has this path to victory, whether they could possibly win the next election, or is it all now just about managing the size and scale of the defeat? Yeah, so Isaac Levido, who's obviously running the Conservatives' election campaign, he's a strategist, is known to think that the Labour vote is soft and that there are many people who don't know uh, and they are more likely to go Conservative than they are Labour come a general election. Uh, in addition to that, he will often point to this idea that Rishi Sunak is personally more popular than the party, that actually there's no great love for Keir Starmer. So that's the kind of hope. I think in the conference speech, you know, we had from Rishi Sunak, we had three key announcements. There was scrapping of the northern leg of HS2. We've ended the HS2 drama and in its place will embark on a full-scale national reinvestment in the infrastructure people actually use and want and the skilled workforce who will build it. There was the overhaul of uh, A-levels in favour of a, of a new educational programme. Today we set a course for our education system that will set our children up for the opportunities of the future. No more rip-off degrees, no more low aspiration, no more denigration of technical education, just the best education system in the Western world. Uh, and then there was of course the ban on uh, smoking for future generations. Today we went beyond ideology and put the people first again and committed ourselves to ensure our children and grandchildren can be the first generation that doesn't have to suffer the false choice to quit smoking or not, because they will never have started. Now, I think different policies will land differently depending on uh, which basis you're looking at. But as Kate says, there was no discernible poll balance whatsoever. You know, the YouGov tracking poll that we run literally had a zero point change in, uh, in that 21 point lead that, wow. Labour, that Labour commands. Kate, the Lib Dems got less coverage and, and less attention paid to their conference than, than the other two parties, obviously. Um, but at every party conference for the Lib Dems, there's always the question of triangulation about where they place themselves compared to the other two parties. This year, it felt like it was much more about coalition and whether potentially they might end up as kingmakers. Is there a sense of whether they would ever go into a coalition again with the Tories or whether they'd be prepared to support Labour should it, should it, should it come to it at the next election? 
Yeah, the Lib Dem leader, Ed Davies, ruled out a coalition with the Conservatives. I think they have learnt from what happened previously and understand that that is a no-go zone under any circumstances, really. In terms of Labour, though, the picture is more complicated, partly because there is, although we are talking in glowing terms, we've clearly all come out of the hall and drunk the Kool-Aid in terms of Sir Keir Starmer's speech, there is a long way to go electorally for Labour. I mean, a lot of the losses in the red wall, although we think of them as a Boris Johnson win in 2019, a lot of those seats had been turning towards the Conservatives actually since 1997, which might surprise some people to hear that, but it was a very long-term trend. So the job for Labour in terms of actually winning back those areas is much, much harder than many people think. So it means that this question about a coalition is more important than maybe we, we give credit for. The reality is I think the Liberal Democrats probably would at least lend power in an informal sharing agreement to the Labour Party. But it would depend, as it always does, on what they would get out of it and what their price would be. And, you know, the Liberal Democrats also believe that they have a fair chance in the south of the country, like Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, for example, in his seat. If you've seen Guildford before, that's flipped between the Liberal Democrats and the Tories in the past anyway. In those areas, they believe they have a real chance of winning some seats off the Conservatives, which would mean that they have more credibility when we come to talk about a coalition potentially in the future. Coming up, can I get these two to tell me who they think will win the next general election? That's in just a moment. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Laura, you know, Labour really does still have a mountain to climb in terms of the next election because they've lost so much of what we all call the Red Wall. Is there a sense that that Red Wall was very loyal to, to Boris Johnson and may not be to Rishi Sunak? Or is, you know, as, as Kate mentioned, is this a, a bigger, longer term trend? Has the Red Wall gone blue for good? 
Yeah, it's such an interesting question because if you look at the most recent MRP in detail, you know, poll, it shows the party losing every red wall seat that it won in 2019. But for Labour to make a recovery, it means overturning and coming back from the worst defeat since 1935. So it's no small feat. And actually, this will depend, I think, on those final few months before an election campaign. And it's very hard to say necessarily just how those people will go. And Kate, it does feel like the next election is going to be all about walls. Um, The Tories will be worrying about the red wall and whether they can keep it. But they're also worried about the blue wall, those seats like Guildford that sort of keep switching. Um, We're told at the moment, according to polling, that six Tory cabinet ministers would be set to lose their seats, including Jeremy Hunt and Jacob Rees-Mogg. How plausible is that? And is there a chance that by focusing on housing, which is one of the big worries in in those areas about people building on on green belt sites uh has labor sort of sent them back towards the tories i think it is very plausible that you could get some big name conservatives where they feel like their seats are under threat you know pollsters will tell you that actually people with a majority of around fifteen thousand should be worried and that actually is quite a stark message if you look across the tory vote spread around the country housing is really fascinating though because for the conservatives they've got to they've got to thread a really tricky I don't know what the, where that analogy is going. They've got to thread a they've got to walk a very tricky line, <laughs> because ultimately, what they want to do to appeal to voters in the red wall on housing is the exact opposite of what they want to do to appeal to people in the seats like Jeremy Hunt's in the south and yeah. around Guildford on housing. It's, it's, a, it's a completely different question that they have to answer, and they haven't actually managed to crack that yet. So what they end up with is a sort of middle of the road policy, which really doesn't appeal to very many people. Labour is a slightly different kettle of fish because the voters, although the party is appealing broadly to everybody, the voters they are appealing to feel quite similarly no matter where they are in the country. So it's a much easier sell. But ultimately, we could talk until the cows come home about what policies mean. Most people, as Lara rightly points out, they don't vote based on that you know, on that basis. They might hate Keir Starmer but vote Labour anyway. They might have liked Boris Johnson but vote for Sunak. It comes down to heart and, and really a feeling of what do you think is going to be better for you and your family? And that's what Keir Starmer was trying to do in his speech here at conference, was to appeal to that part of people's psyche. Mm. And it's what Rishi Sunak wanted to do, but didn't quite manage, because HS2 isn't really a heart issue for many people. I mean, they care about levelling up, but, you know, a railway is not the, not the key to their hearts, if you like. So I think that argument, that space is still there for the Tories if they can have another go. But the more times they try and crack it, the less credible it becomes and the more people just think, you know what, I'm done with you, I'm not not interested. And that is a problem. Lara, the SNP conference is still to come. Can Labour win the next election without winning Scotland? You know, a lot of people thought perhaps the most important political event of the last few weeks wasn't party conference at all. It was a a by-election in Scotland. When I left here a week ago with the team... I said, you've got to win it. You blew the doors off. And congratulations. Well, yes, uh, I think Hamza Yousaf, the uh, SNP leader, will go into his upcoming conference with the opposite of what Keir Starmer had, which was a kind of resounding victory in that by-election with a 20-point swing. Uh, For Hamza Yousaf, he will have to explain just why uh, his party lost that so badly and why the polls seem to show his party neck and neck with Labour in Scotland. Now, considering, you know, Labour was reduced to just one seat in the last election, that is a really significant turnaround. 
a disappointing night, a tough night for the SNP, very difficult, uh, of course. The SNP has to reflect. We've got to regroup, we've got to reorganise. We've had tough adversities, tough election results in the past, and we've bounced back stronger. I'm very, very keen to make sure that we are fighting uh, for the next electoral test. Peter Kellner, who was, of course, one of the founders of, uh, of YouGov, the polling agency, said earlier this week that he's absolutely clear Scotland won't be a drag on the ticket. So I think very few people think that Labour won't see some significant revival in Scotland. There had been some questions around whether the polls would be accurate in showing such a huge recovery. But actually, you know, Rutherglen, the by-election that we saw, confirmed that it seems that they're pretty accurate. And actually, uh, you know, Labour is looking towards uh, a really significant boost in Scotland. I'm going to ask you both the question you probably don't want to be asked. And that's that having got to this stage, having gone through the party conferences, who would you predict is going to win the next election? Kate. Laura, you can go first. (laughs) I think you were prodded to go. (laughs) I mean, um, I think a 21-point lead is looking pretty robust, but I think we've seen 2015-92 examples where polls have been some way off. Uh, I am very willing to be surprised, and I think, you know, one thing's for sure, we will have a very dramatic next year in the run-up to an election. I'm sure there'll be lots of things that we're not expecting which could get in the way of that. Kate. I think Labour can do it. I don't know whether I believe yet that they can really do it convincingly, resoundingly, or whether it will be a kind of scrape to just get by. But when you come to things like this and you speak to people, I've been, I've been at these now for over 10 years probably, which is quite tragic, isn't it? But um, <laughs> you get a feel for where people's heads are at. And it's a feeling of a tide turning and a movement and a shift in momentum. And I feel like that's where Labour is right now. If they can keep building on that, then there is a possibility they could win a majority. And I think for me, the Tories had a tall order at their conference. They needed to do a lot to turn that around and they didn't get there. And I'm not sure actually that they really have the answer yet for that question. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Lara Spirit, Red Box Editor at The Times, and Kate McCann, Political Editor and Presenter for Times Radio. The producer today was Olivia Case, the executive producer was Fiona Leach, and sound design was by James Shield. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.